This week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast will be given by Chaplain Daniel Wierho. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for all the smiling faces, and I thank you for all the announcements that had to be made this morning. That means that you're doing something here. You're allowing us to participate in ministry, and we thank you for that. We ask for your blessings on each one of these ministry opportunities. And um, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to worship you this morning in song, through the preaching of your word, and also through participating in communion. Throughout all of these um, things that are taking place this morning, glorify yourself. Make us into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand with us. Today our scripture will be in Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. It can be found on page 335 in your pew Bibles. Scripture says, Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea, heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted, and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make for yourself flint knives, and circumcise again the sons of Israel the second time. So Joshua made himself flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Hararola. This is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who, who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised, but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them along the way. Now when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Chaplain Wareho. I'm one of the pastors here at All-American. And I wonder if you can sense it coming. I've already smelt it in the air. I've felt it in my neighborhood. I've even started planning with Susanna very in-depth to get ready for this. Can you guess what it is? The holiday season. Yep, absolutely. I'm sure you're all just as knee-deep into the planning process for the holiday season as we are, but something's different for us this year in our planning process because back in March, we had our first child. And so this will be his very first holiday season. You see, before in the past for us, the holiday season was not a very uh, a big deal. We didn't have to make too many plans for it because we were always in a different place. We were always surrounded by other people, and so we just kind of went with the flow. Whatever was available, we would do. We didn't really uh, lock in any family traditions. It, it wasn't a big deal for us um, because we lacked that stability in being in the military. But not only that, but a, as a general thing, we're both just not really fans of rituals in general. You see, I grew up in a household where we had a ton of rituals, and most of them were religious in nature, and most of them I didn't quite understand as a youngster, 
And so I just grew up with a natural aversion towards rituals. Susanna, on the other hand, she grew up in a household where they had no rituals. They didn't even have any stability at that. And so every holiday season, it just hasn't been a priority for us to lock in any family traditions. But all that changes this year, doesn't it? Now that little Benny's in the world, and it's going to be his first holiday season, we want to make sure that he is grounded in our family identity. We want to make sure that he has as much stability as possible as possible because we know that's a key component of his development and his future identity and emotional stability. And so this year, our holiday tradition, we're going to start some new holiday traditions because we want him to know very early and very often that he is loved, that he belongs to our family, that he belongs to even God's family. We want him to know this constantly before any of the circumstances of this world come into his life before he has any accomplishments, before he experiences failure, we just want to keep reminding him of who he is and that he belongs within our family. And so this holiday season is a big deal for us because we want his identity to be shaped from the inside out. After all, isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we all wish we grew up with? Was a deep-seated identity of value, of worth, and of belonging? But unfortunately, for some of us, that was not the reality we grew up with, is it? We didn't get that stability. We didn't get those routines. And as a result, we may have grown up wondering who we are and what our identity is to only be shaped by the circumstances around us. Or maybe some of us, we did have some of those traditions, maybe earlier on, but then that one day, our family received that phone call, or our family was called to the boss's office, or we received that news that only the doctor could tell us, and our internal identity was shattered by the overwhelming circumstances that we faced. But then there might even be some of us who never had any magnificent circumstances to either test our identity or to shape our identity. And so maybe we've wandered through life wondering who we are or what we're made of if we're really put to the test. Well, if you can identify with any of these, then I'm really excited to introduce you to our main character this morning. And so in Joshua chapter 5, we're going to jump straight into the middle, right to verses 4 through 7, because I want to do a character study on whom I'm going to be calling the wandering generation. So study with me verses 4 through 7 as you meet the wandering generation. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during their journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And so we learn in verses 4 through 7 that our wandering generation were a people born into the mindset of slavery while wandering through the consequences of their parents' disobedience. Now that was a, that was a huge sentence there. So let me unpack it a little bit as we go verse by verse if you jump back into verse 4, what we find out is that this generation was born to parents who came out of Egypt. 
And we know that in Egypt they were slaves, but more so even when they were delivered from Egypt, they just wanted to go right back to Egypt because they didn't want to deal with the hardships and the responsibilities of the freedom that God had given them. It reminds us of that prisoner that spends so much time in prison that once they're released, they don't know what to do with all that freedom. And so then they commit that petty crime just so they can go back to prison. And this is the mindset that our wandering generation was born into. Not only that, but in verse 5, we see that they were also born into the wilderness, into a state of wandering, with no stability, with no identity that was in the possession of their, their land. So they didn't know who they belonged to because they didn't have any land that they could anchor themselves to. Not only that, but we keep going. In verse 6, we see that they were born into the consequences of their parents' disobedience. Because they should have been born into the promised land. Did you catch that? It was really their parents' job, their mission, to take the promised land. So this generation could have been born into that stability. And yet, because their parents had chosen not to trust God, they chose their own circumstances, their own um, understanding and wisdom. And so because of that, we see that their disobedience left them in the wilderness for this generation to grow up in. And so they were born in the consequences of their parents' failures. Have you ever felt like that? Like you're dealing with the consequences of someone else's failures, wondering what you did to deserve it? Or maybe you were born, or maybe you feel like you've been wandering through life, wondering who you are or where you belong. Or maybe you feel trapped by your past or certain relationships, maybe a certain culture or mindset or, or this cycle that you see yourself coming back to over and over and over again. Well, how do we get past it? How do we get past and above these circumstances? What we're going to discover this morning is how the wandering generation went from being a people of circumstance to a people of promise. And so the title of our sermon this morning is Reclaiming Rituals for a Wandering Generation. So go ahead and say to your neighbor right now, we're reclaiming rituals this morning. And I'm not talking about, when we say rituals, we're not talking about those things that we repeat over and over again without any meaning or maybe they've lost the meaning. But we're talking about external expressions of an internal reality. That's what our, that's what our definition of rituals are. So before we jump in, let me go ahead and ask us some questions that will prepare us to wrestle with this text. Is your identity shaped from the inside out or from the outside in? What does it even mean to have your identity shaped from the inside out? What does that look like and how do we obtain it? So keep these questions in your mind as we dive into verse 1. We go back to the beginning and we see how it all unfolds. So this is Joshua chapter 5 verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. And so we find ourselves right where we left off last week with Pastor Andy. The Israelites had just crossed the Jordan River through this demonstration of God's power and God's faithfulness. So all the people that were in their way, they were quivering in their boots. They were filled with fear. And so we find that our wandering generation is now finally on the other side of fear. They're finally on the other side of not knowing what their day will look like. They're finally on the other side of not knowing where they're going to lie their head that evening. And so they're experiencing a whole new type of circumstance that's just as formative as their past. 
This is the circumstance of success. Have you ever been shaped by the circumstance of success? Of victory? It feels pretty good, doesn't it? In fact, I think it feels so good that sometimes we like to associate that good feeling with the blessings of God, that God is blessing us when we are successful. So when we're doing well, when we're being blessed, then God must be on our side. When we're, when we're not doing well, then God must not be blessing us. After all, how many of us interpret how God feels about us and how he looks at us based on how we're doing, the sex successes that we experience, or how blessed we are? Well, I want you to hear this very important principle that we're going to start off this morning. And that's this idea that God is more concerned about your identity, your character, and your values than he is about your er earthly success. God is more concerned about your identity than he is about your earthly success. Let's see where we find this as we jump into verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. <laughs> Whoa. Let's pump the brakes here. We had all this momentum, and now you're telling us to do what? You want us to make flint knives and circumcise ourselves? Oh, my goodness. God, don't you realize that we have all the momentum here? Don't you see that they are quivering in their boots, and we can go and continue on in this momentum, and we can take the land. This is what you promised us to do. And you want us to do what? You want us to in incapacitate our entire army right before our enemies? I mean, why couldn't we do this before we crossed the Jordan River? At least that way the Jordan River would stand between us and our enemies, but now we're standing right before them. They can see us, and they can run us over if they see this. Now, I'm sure that the wandering generation is much better than I am, but I'm going to keep going with all these excuses, the ones that I would come up with if I was in this army. This is the next place my mind would go. God, don't you realize that we're adults? I mean, it's one thing to get circumcised as a baby. It's a whole other thing to get circumcised as an adult. At least as a baby, we won't remember any of this. We won't remember the pain. We won't ex remember the experience. But we're going to remember every bit of this experience. In fact, it'll be traumatic. It's going to be etched in my memory forever, and I'm going to have a hard time forgetting this pain forgetting this experience. So why would you want us to do this now? What's, what is it with this timing? Why does God want them to do this now? The answer to that, we, we need to understand circumcision more if we want to know the answer to that. And so what is circumcision? Circumcision was a mark of their identity as God's people. And it was the mark of the promise that God made with Abraham. And so it was an external reminder of an internal reality. That's what circumcision was for them. It was a ritual that God is reclaiming as an external reminder that regardless of the fact that they're wandering, they are not nomads. Rather, they have a certain identity, they have a certain character, they have certain values that they are to live by. And so this is the, the ritual that God is reclaiming in their life in the midst of their negative circumstances, their failures, their wandering. But we also see that they're about to experience even more earthly successes, don't we? God knows that they're about to go on this conquest to take more land, and so God doesn't want them to associate their identity with their successes either, just as much as he didn't want them to associate their identity with their failures. 
God is more concerned about us associating our identity with spiritual success than earthly success. And so here's the point. They belong to God before they ever take a city. They are loved, they are valuable, and they belong before they ever experience any circumstances of success, of taking any land, of taking any cities in this conquest. Rather, their identity is grounded in being children of God. That's what God wanted them to know. And I love this imagery because it's, it's the perfect parallel with what Jesus did as he began his earthly ministry. As we see this principle unfold in what Jesus did. Because before he started his earthly ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And as he came back, we see in Matthew chapter 3 that he goes and gets baptized to dedicate himself to the earthly ministry he's about to embark on. And as he comes out of the water, a dove descends from the heavens and God says with an audible voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The beauty of this is that all of this occurred before Jesus did anything in his earthly ministry. He already belonged and he was already pleasing to his father before he did anything. And so maybe that's what we needed to hear this morning. That regardless of the circumstances around us, God wants us and that we're valuable to him. It's not the way our circumstances unfold around us. It's not the successes, nor is it the failures that define us. Rather, it's God who defines us at the core. And whether you believe that before or not, the truth of the matter is, is that that identity is very easy to forget, isn't it? And so because when our circumstances overwhelm us, they start to define us, regardless of how much we want our identity to be shaped from the inside out. And so we see that in this command of circumcision that God is actually the ultimate realist. I, I take pride in being a realist, but I realize that God is even more of a realist than I am. Because he knows that they will never only be shaped from the inside out. He knows that they will always struggle with their circumstances and that we will because we're only human. And so he gives us this external reminder of an internal reality. And so we, what, we learn, what we're learning from this text is that we need to be shaped both from the inside out and from the outside in. It's both. And it's rituals that help us to be shaped from the outside in. It's rituals that give us reminders and expressions and cues of who we are in God. And this was such an important principle that God was willing to stop them, to halt them in the midst of their momentum, in the midst of them reaching the promises that God promised. God was willing to stop them so that they could take the time to ground themselves in their identity. It reminds me of a book I have on my bookshelf by Bill Hybels, and the title is Too Busy Not to Pray. Except in this case, the wandering generation was about to face or circumstances that were too strong not to stop and ground themselves in their identity. So what do they do? Let's continue on as we read verses 3 and then we jump over to verses 8 and 9. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haraloth. And then verse 8. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. So how did our wandering generation go from being a people of circumstance to a people of promise? Simply put, obedience. 
they obeyed. They ignored their circumstances, their experience, and their tactics to obey the command that God gave them that, that did not make sense to them. And as a result, we see in verse 9 that God had wiped away the shame of, of Egypt from their identity. They had gone from being a people of circumstance, of being identified as slaves, to being a people of God's promise. You see, nothing really changed in the world that day, though. They didn't take any new land. They didn't take any cities. They had no earthly successes that day. Instead, they received a new promise from God, from a God who could see them beyond their circumstances. You see, God saw them not where they stood that day. God didn't see them in their circumstances. God saw them where he could take them in their obedience. And that's how he came to this promise. And that's what obedience is all about for us this morning. When we obey a higher wisdom or a higher power, we go beyond the limitations of our circumstances. Let me say that again about obedience. When we obey a higher wisdom and higher power, we go beyond the limitations of our circumstances. Does that make sense? So in our circumstances, all we know is what we'll ever know. If we're born into a mindset of slavery, guess what you're going to get? Every single time, a mindset of slavery, unless we're able to see beyond ourselves, unless we're able to submit ourselves to a higher wisdom, a higher authority. So let me say it in this way. As long as we remain our own authority, we're always going to be stuck as people of circumstance. As long as we remain our own authority, we're always going to remain stuck as a people of circumstance. And maybe that's what we needed to hear this morning. Maybe we've been feeling stuck, like we've come back to the same cycle over and over and over again, relying on our own wisdom to get us out of it, and yet we find ourselves falling right back to the same place. Well, looking at this wandering generation, they had every excuse to do the same, didn't they? They had every excuse to follow the same cycle of their parents and their disobedience, and yet they broke the cycle through obedience. You see, they didn't just circumcise their foreskins that day. They also, and more importantly, began the process of circumcising their hearts. They started to cut off the stubbornness of their own authority by submitting themselves to God and his higher authority. And though they would go on to continue to struggle with circumstances, this initial act of obedience, this initial act of faith, ended up producing more faith. Because God was able to use that obedience, to use this wandering generation to take the promised land. And of course, that produces more faith in that higher authority with what God does with it. And this is how God shapes us from the inside out. This is how we're shaped in our identity from the inside out. We place our trust in him, and he takes that faith, and he does a mighty thing within us. Maybe we start to see past that mindset of slavery, or that addiction, or that pain, that bitterness, or even those insecurities that we face. Or maybe we start to see love, feel loved or belonging in a way that we've never felt before. Or maybe it's that shame and that guilt that we've been carrying for so long, and for the first time we felt a peace that we've never felt before. It started to make sense that the righteousness of Christ covers up our guilt and our shame. And we feel freed from captivity as a result. And as that happens, we become 
stronger and stronger in our faith. And as we're stronger in our faith, our, our actions and our obedience become bolder and bolder. You know what this process is called? Sanctification. And it all starts with that initial act of obedience in God, a God that loves us and that cares for us. And so this morning, what are the acts of obedience that God is calling us to? Well, looking at our text, we know that we're being called to remember who we are in light of God's faithfulness. We know that we're being called to practice, to perform external reminders of our internal reality. And so what rituals will you claim or reclaim in your life today? I'm just going to offer you a couple of examples from my wrestling as I've been wrestling with this text. The first one has to do with reading the Bible. I've never really been good at reading the Bible and, and filling my spiritual hunger on a daily basis. And so I've instituted a new ritual that I leave my Bible open right next to where I eat my breakfast. That way, while I'm busy satisfying my physical hunger, hunger I have this external reminder of the internal hunger that I have. And it reminds me to, to be fed spiritually. The other one is, is about the holidays. You may have saw this one coming, but we're starting to rethink about God, God's faithfulness through the holidays, what it means and how it shapes who we are. And this time it's not just for Benny. It's for us too. It's for the entire family. And so we're talking to folks, we're, we're hearing different ideas of how people ground themselves in their identities through the holidays. And I've heard, so Chaplain Andy, he, he talks about how on every Christmas morning, they read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 to ground themselves in that internal reality of what the holidays are all about. Another example, it came to, to light that the Canadians, they have this day called Boxing Day or Unboxing Day, the day after Christmas, where they take one gift and they re-gift it to somebody who's underprivileged. That's a beautiful gift of giving something to somebody that didn't deserve it or, or that couldn't afford it, really. And yet we're giving that gift to another and then I started thinking, and I'm, I'm letting you in on my process here because I want you to see how real this stuff is. Operation Christmas Child. As much as our life in the military has been unstable, one thing that I've seen as a point of stability each year, regardless of where we've been, both CONUS and OCONUS, is this opportunity to be a part of Operation Christmas Child. And so why not join together and make it a family tradition? We're military, we're in the military, we're always going to have this opportunity. Why not em embrace it? Why not take it on to remind us of who we are and who God is and his faithfulness during Christmas? And so this is something that we're talking through. But if you can imagine, we're still processing this. We're still working through it. And so I invite you to, to join in that by sharing with me some of your holiday traditions and what they mean. But better yet, why not just share it with me? Why share, why not... Why share it with me? Why not share it with everyone? So I'm going to ask that we post this question on our Facebook page. And I ask that you chime in. Oh, look, Kelly's already on it. She's, she's there. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and chime in and share some of the holiday traditions that your family has. And maybe we can learn from each other and we can grow from one another. But here's the thing. God did not just leave us flapping in the wind to come up with all these rituals on our own. As Andy talked to us and showed us last week, God gives us some very specific rituals that we can practice that ground us back to who we are. And these rituals are so packed with meaning, with symbolism, and they're powerful enough to face the circumstances that we face in this world. So I want to end my time by sharing just two of those rituals this morning. The first one is baptism. 
So baptism is actually the direct parallel of circumcision in the Old Covenant. That's our New Covenant parallel to circumcision because it marks our identity as Christians. It's an external expression of what's happening within when we receive the Lord as our Savior. And so when we go down, we're dying to our old wandering self. And when we come up, we're coming back to life in the life and stability of Christ. And so everything we do, we're making that proclamation within the midst of our community that we are living for Christ on the inside and we're letting that come out. It's an external expression of our internal reality. And so if you've even been thinking about how you want to break the cycle, how you want to get out of whatever that rut is that you've been in, maybe this is your chance. On December 2nd here at All American, we want to give you that opportunity to take that step of obedience, to make that proclamation. And so I, I ask you just to start the conversation. You're not committing to anything. You're just talking. Chaplain Ginder's in the back there. He's our point of contact. His contact information is in your bulletin. If you're interested, just have the conversation. He'd be happy to talk you through what it means and what it looks like to get baptized. And that goes for you if you've already started a relationship with Christ, but you just haven't had the opportunity to get baptized yet. It's a powerful symbol of what's going on within. It'll move you. And so the other one, the other ritual that we're going to land on this morning is communion. We're going to revisit it from last week. This time we're going to tack on not only remembering God's faithfulness, but also what that faithfulness means for our identity and who we are. Because we live in a world where we fail on a weekly, daily, and even hourly basis. And in that failure, we constantly fight those circumstances, that guilt, that shame, and those insecurities. And so we need a powerful image, a powerful reminder to help combat those circumstances, those feelings that we wrestle with and struggle with inside. So that's why we have the powerful symbols of the broken body and the blood of Christ. So when we break that bread, it represents Christ's body that's broken for you. That means that Christ was willing to come into a broken world and allow his body to be broken so he could understand us in the midst of our brokenness. He understands what we're going through. When we feel all alone, when we feel like there's nobody else that understands, when we break that bread, we remember that Christ understands where we are and that he's able to be with us as we go through that. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because we also remember the blood of Christ, another powerful image that gives us that external reminder of the internal reality that takes place. When we struggle with that condemnation, that shame, that blood, when we, when we drink that cup, it reminds us of the blood that's covering us up inside with Christ's righteousness. That we don't have to walk around in shame with our heads down but we can walk around in the confidence that Christ gives us within. That is our identity. That's what seals us. And that's what we do when we do communion. That's what this ritual is all about. And so I'm going to ask Chaplain Wilson to come up and to continue to help prepare our hearts as we take communion together. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for that message this morning. Rituals are an outward expression of an inward reality. And he's already explained to us very well this morning about what's going to be taking place here 
with communion or the Lord's Supper. But there's one other detail that we need to, to be cognizant of, and that is that Jesus tells us through the Scripture, do not partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Do not partake in this ritual, this ordinance, for some of you, this sacrament. Do not partake in an unworthy manner. What is prayer? And then we will partake of the Lord's Supper. Father, prepare our hearts now to receive this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Let it truly be an outward expression of an inward reality in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.